Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? It is time for another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, and this time around, I'm pulling out the interview with Antonia Bennett. This was originally broadcast on FM radio. She's a jazz and pop singer, a recording artist. We're going to be talking about her musical upbringing, her career, influences. There's a lot of stories about interactions with some of the legends of music, Count Basie, Rosemary Clooney, and Ella Fitzgerald, to name a few. She's the daughter of the legendary jazz singer Tony Bennett, and she's had a recording career as both a singer of standards and also original material, which we'll be talking about a little bit of both. She's had a working relationship with Hall of Fame songwriter Holly Knight. With no further ado, let's get into the interview with Antonia Bennett. Our special guest is Antonia Bennett. She's a singer, a recording artist. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? I grew up in Los Angeles, surrounded by a lot of other entertainers, and was influenced by a lot of great music and musicians as well, but not just music, but by painters and writers and actors. And my parents really exposed me to all the arts. And and I knew that it was something special to be surrounded by people of such a high caliber in their fields pretty early on. Why do you suppose that you knew that there was something meaningful about that? Well, I think because I would hear my parents talk about it or, you know, and say things and because they had exposed me. I mean, one of the things that I would do with my dad at a very young age is go to museums. And if we were on tour, we would go to a museum in whatever city we were in. So I think just being exposed to the masters and understanding that people kind of treated my dad differently and they also treated a lot of his friends differently as well and with great respect, it became clear to me at a very young age that these people were really at the top of their game, you know, when we would go to Ella Fitzgerald's house or somebody like that and and just to see how they communicated with other people and how important the, the, their craft was to them. And because in a lot of ways, you know, just by being around them, you learn. One of the things that we would do every Christmas is go to Ella's house, and then afterwards we would go to David Hockney's. And, and David Hockney is such a great art historian as well as an amazing artist. And so I really was learning a lot of different things from these people just by being around them because they had such a great, vast knowledge of their craft. What are your vivid memories about Ella Fitzgerald? What do you remember of her and these experiences of going over to her house? The thing that I remember the most really is that she would pull all of her records out of the sleeve. And so, and then her daughter would come in and say, why do you leave all your records out? And, and I remember thinking, oh, wow, you know, that's, she's a fan as well as an artist, you know, because that's what I did. You know, I would listen to something and then I would get excited and drop it 
and then I would pull another record out and want to listen to that. And one thing would lead me to another, to another, to another. And I, and I would go on like that for hours. And, and I think that, you know, the thing that, that really inspired me so much is that she, she was such an amazing woman, like very sweet and nice. And, but she also just loved all the different kinds of music and, and she would, she would just go through everything. The bio on your website, it mentions these early performances, a lot of really, really great entertainers, Rosemary Clooney, Regis Philbin, Count Basie. Tell us about some of those experiences. Well, Count Basie and my dad used to tour together. And so some of my first memories were singing with his orchestra with Freddie Green on guitar. I actually have a photograph somewhere with Freddie Green sitting behind me and um, singing in front of the orchestra. And I must have been about 10 or 11 years old. And, and you know, they were so sweet with me. And, and it was great because I didn't even need to know. This was even before I started taking singing so seriously. I, I didn't really even need to know what was going on at that point because I would just start singing and they would just start playing or if I was sitting backstage and I would sing a little melody and then count would just, you know, put some chords behind. And, and even as he got older and he wasn't playing that much, he was always very sweet with me. He he would make these little toys for me out of beads and styrofoam. He'd make like little cats or, you know, and give them to me. He loved children and he was always very sweet, sweet to me. And Rosemary was, a very good friend of dad's. They kind of started their career together and they would tour together a lot. And as I got a little bit older, there were a few times that she had me sitting in her show and, and she was a great inspiration. And I, and I loved also, you know, the way that she would communicate with people on stage was so amazing. She would tell these stories and she had such great timing and she was so funny, you know, and she was always so nice to everybody. And and she would always tell me things like, never read your own press, good or bad. You know, it's really about the show and, and having the best show that you can. And little life lessons like that, that really, you know, help form me into the artist that I am today. You mentioned earlier that you liked to listen to a lot of different types of music. Was there particular recordings that were favorites for you? You know, I like Fado music a lot. I, I, Amelia Rodriguez. And definitely, my dad would come back from Japan and stuff with a lot of records that at the time we didn't have here. You know, things that had been released there that hadn't been released here. And and he would bring me like really old records of Mildred Bailey and, and things like that. And but, you know, I also grew up listening to a lot of classic rock, and but that kind of came a little bit later, you know. And so I was really into, like, David Bowie and, and things like that as well. And I think it all helped form me to who I am today. And, and you know, I keep listening to everything, every different, you know, a lot of different kinds of music. And when I hear something I like, I add it to my, my music collection. I think you can take from everything. Our special guest is singer Antonia Bennett. Who are the singers that you would say have influenced your vocals the most? 
Well, obviously my dad, because I've been listening to him for so many years. Female vocalists, I would say Ella, Rosemary, Cooney. I listened to a lot. And definitely, I liked Anita O'Day a lot. I think she's a great singer. And I listened to a lot of Sarah Vaughn, even though I have a quite a different register than her. And Carmen McRae, I listened to a lot of different artists. And I also attribute my singing to a lot of different musicians like Stan Getz and Bill Evans and people like that because I listened a lot to the way that they would phrase. Both of those two musicians played things very melodically. And I think a lot of my phrasing is is attributed to the musicians that I listen to, not just the singers. What inspires you to sing? That's such an interesting question because I you know, it's something that has always been very natural to me and something that I've been doing since I was very small and without even realizing that I was doing it. And I think everything really inspires me to sing. Sad things inspire me to sing. Happy things inspire me to sing. It's just, it's comforting to me. And it's it's one of those things that I do every day to uplift myself and make myself feel good. But then also now that it's something that I do professionally, you know, there's another element of of artistic creation that goes into it. So I pull from everything. You know, I think all those things like going to museums and being around different kinds of people from different places and 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 learning about different cultures, all of those things help play into making me a more well-rounded musician. When you hear a song that is not a part of your repertoire, not a song that you perform, not a song that you record yet, how do you know that a song that you hear is one that you might want to start performing? Well, it could be one of a few different things. I mean, sometimes somebody asks me to sing something, And if it's an old song, a lot of times I'll start singing it and then I realize, oh, I already know this song, you know, even though I had never sung it before because I've listened to so much music. But then, you know, other times it's like a trial and error thing. You you like a song, uh, so then you try it out on your voice and then you start playing it in different keys to see what fits. And sometimes it's a good fit and sometimes it's, it's not, but I think more times than not, I look for songs that have beautiful lyrics and beautiful melodies. I really think that it's a combination of both things. And one of the great things about being a singer is that you have lyrics that you can communicate with people. And so I try to find things that are things that I can relate to, that when I'm telling the story, that I can really make it my own. Is it intimidating to go into a recording studio? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, yes. But more times than not, it's it's like anything. If you've been doing it a while, then it becomes easier. I mean, if, if you're, I think it's like performing in a way, you know, sometimes you get really nervous and, um, and sometimes less, but you, you get, you know, butterflies, which is, and I think it's just because you care, you want everything to turn out right. But I think that the more experience that you get, that you can take that nervousness or intimidation or whatever you call it and turn it around to make things better, you know. And I think that 
being prepared is a big part of that. You know, if you walk in prepared, then even if you're nervous or intimidated or whatever, you'll still be able to deliver. Do you think that as an artist, it's more important to be confident or to be humble? I think you need a balance of both. I think it's also a very challenging thing because um, you're constantly having to build yourself up because if you don't believe in yourself, then nobody else will. And then, but then when you listen to something or when you're listening to yourself back, you know, you're constantly critiquing yourself because you want to get better. And it's always challenging both things to find the balance and not become egotistical or, and then also not be self-loathing and, I think that's the constant struggle of a lot of artists, but definitely I think that being humble is, is a good policy for everybody, you know, in, in whatever you do to have empathy for other people and to be thankful for the things that you have is important. What do you think the role of an artist is? Um, I think that, you know, there's two things. One is that you One is more selfish, you know, on one hand, uh, being an artist is for you. It's because it's something that feeds your soul and you have, you, you have to keep going because it's something that you love to do. And I think on, and then on the other hand, your role is to inspire other people. But I also think that you never know, sometimes you might be creating something and, and you don't realize that that one thing that you're making is the thing that's really so special until you look back on it or until you're done. And then you go, Whoa, I, you know, you just kind of keep moving forward and trying to reconvene, recreate, you know, make it better, tweak it. And, you know, and then eventually you come out with a better product. And, and I think that the most important thing is that you just keep moving forward in that way. And, and hopefully people will like it as much as you like doing it, you know, and then that way you can keep going because there is that give and take and that you'll inspire other people to feel something or to see something in a different way. I think that that's really what makes what I do so special. Hmm. Well, on that note, on the flip side, what is the most challenging thing about what you do? Well, I think, you know, the traveling sometimes, as much as I love going to new places and seeing new things, like being in one place for one night or being away from your family for long periods of time can sometimes be challenging. But then on the on the flip side of that, you know, to have the audience give you so much love and, you know, that's such a beautiful thing as well. Our special guest is Antonia Bennett. You've recorded two albums. You have an EP. Of the songs that you have recorded, is there one in particular that has a very special meaning? I'm sure there's several, but one that maybe stands out. Well, I think that's so, you know, hard to pick one. But, I mean, I I really love Cole Porter. And, you know, my album Embrace Me was really kind of... uh, a tribute to the song Embraceable You. And the reason why I called it Embrace Me is because that's really what you want. You want the audience to embrace you. You you, you want to kind of show your true colors and 
and hope that people get who you are. And, and I think that it's something that I can really relate to and, and everybody needs that kind of human contact. So I think that's a really beautiful song. What is the greatest compliment that you have received? Gosh, I, geez, I don't know. (laughs) That's a hard one. You know, one time my dad told me that um, I was really sick and I was doing a show with him and I had practically zero register. I was singing it. I changed everything melodically to just a couple of notes because that's all I could, that's all I could sing because I had such a terrible cold and I got off stage and he looked at me and he said, you're singing great. And I wasn't singing great, you know, in a typical terms because I, I couldn't, you know, but I understood what he meant. He meant that you're taking what you can use and you're making the best out of it. And because you, you, you didn't have access to all the notes that you could hit or sing, you focused on your phrasing and delivering the song and the story, which in a lot of cases is more important. And I think that him saying that to me, and he knows the difference of uh, what I can do, what I can sing. When he said that to me, I really understood what he was saying. Like, you're, you're, you're doing it. You know, you're, you're actually, it doesn't matter so much about the instrument. Having the instrument is great if you have it. But if you don't have it, you can still do it. And you can still deliver a story. And some of the greatest singers had very small ranges, like Billie Holiday, or even some singers that were that were not singers that delivered a great story, like a Jimmy Durante or somebody like that. And I think that was a very high compliment coming from him. Wow. I was listening yesterday to the song Antonia from the Astoria album of Tony Bennett's. What, is, what does that song mean to you? Well, I think it's really sweet that he recorded that. I know that he went to Jack Siegel at the time and and said, I have a song about my daughter, Joanna, because he had, he, she was named after that song. He's like, but I want a song from my daughter, Antonia. And so he had Jack do that and, and he liked the song and then he recorded it. So I know that it's a very sweet and sentimental. And actually when I got married, when we did the father and daughter dance, we played that song and danced to that song. So it is very sweet and sentimental and, I think it is very much the way that he sees me. You know, the lyrics of that song are very much the way that he sees me. Anything on the horizons with you? Well, I'm in the middle of making a record right now. I just started, I'm writing a lot of original material for it. And hopefully within the next year, I'll have the record out. And love to give you more of a bird's eye view of of what the record is. But because I'm at such a, early stages, you'll, you'll have to wait to see, <laughs> because I'm still figuring it out. So you're writing songs for this album at the time? Yes. Do you write solo, or do you write with a collaborator? Both. You know, I do write some songs on my own, and I also co-write. I had written a, a record of all original material, co-wrote it with a woman by the name of Holly Knight. Oh, yeah. And who's written a bunch of songs for different people. And I do prefer to collaborate. 
been right on my own, but so we'll see what happens for this record. It's still in the very early stages. Holly Knight, who is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So yes. You could tell us a little bit about what it is like to work with her, to collaborate with her. Well, Holly's super talented and very versatile and very much a master at her craft. She's very good at constructing songs and also constructing songs for the artist, you know, really like diving in there, getting to know who the person is and, and helping that person create things are true to them that, that are stories that reflect the artist. And that's a, a real craft and a real skill. You know, the artists like Holly, writers like Holly are not easy to come by, you know, somebody that really knows how to like get in there and, and help you create something for yourself that, that can make you a better artist. Those people are out there, but it's hard to find somebody that you have great chemistry with and with such knowledge and experience. And luckily she wanted to work with me and, and we still have a a great working relationship and friendship. It sounds like you really enjoy the collaborative process. I do. Why is that? Well, like anything, I think, you know, um, if it's the right one, it's kind of like being in a relationship. If it's the right one, it's amazing. If it's the wrong one, it's better to be alone. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think that human contact is so important and and creating is, is so lovely. And when you have somebody to share in that joy and that can really help you blossom and, and think of things that you wouldn't normally do and take you to places you wouldn't necessarily go. I mean, that's, you know, when I was saying, you know, I'm inspired by people in different places and things, that's part of it. And I'm a social, a social animal. I like being around people and, and I take my friendships very seriously. I, I really get a lot from the people who I care about and who I love. And, and I bring that back into my music. And so to have somebody that's as talented as her and as Holly and and then be able to create together and have a, a nice friendship too. That's it's an ideal situation. What is the best thing about being Antonia Bennett? I think the best thing is that I really I get to do what I love and that I have people in my life who really love me and care about me and that I really love and care about and And right now, the best thing about being me is that I have a beautiful little girl and that my husband and I are getting to have these really special moments together with our daughter. For anyone out there listening, very open-ended, what would you say to the listeners? Thank you for your support. Please keep listening. And I hope that, you know, my next record is able to fill you in on more about who I am and and creatively meet very high standards. My last question. Who is Antonia Bennett? Well, wow. I mean, I'm just a girl, you know, an ordinary girl who loves doing what she does for a living, who loves her family, who loves her baby girl who puts on her pants in the morning just the same way as you do, one foot at a time. Well, thank you very much for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at The Paul Leslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on The Paul Leslie Hour. We'll be right back.